Hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode of Enlightened Conversations is hosted and produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. Hi everyone, it's Michelle Lightworker here and welcome to another beautiful Enlightened Conversation. It's our brand new year, it's 2017. Can you believe it already? We are into a new year. So excited. What this year will bring, I'm sure, is a lot of enlightenment for the planet. I can feel it. I could feel it coming into the end of 2016. And I really feel that 2017 is going to be a massive year of enlightenment for everyone. I'm pretty excited today because apart from the fact that I'm usually getting pretty excited with my enlightened conversations, because by the end of them, I just know how much spiritual food I've taken food I've taken in. It's amazing. But I have what I would consider a soul sister with me today, sharing space, holding the enlightened space, chewing the enlightened fat with me. I have Sammy Baker. And for those of you who don't know the wonderful, amazing, beautiful Sammy Baker, Sammy is an international psychic medium. As an NLP master practitioner and counsellor, Sammy is dedicated to helping people resolve their abuse, their grief, their trauma and their sadness to gain a positive perspective. Her aim is to help others to acknowledge what has happened and find a way to learn to live with even the worst scenarios so that the past becomes the past and the future is less frightening. Using recognised techniques, intuitive counselling and life experience Sammy's intention is to ensure that those who have felt alone and scared never do again. Sammy specialises in domestic, sexual and child abuse, child bereavement, abandonment and neglect and death of a loved one. So I am really, really happy to share space with, a few, with a, an enlightened being who has such a generous spirit, such a generous heart and who acknowledges that yes, the darkness does happen, but the way forward is the light. Welcome, Sammy Baker. Hello, my darling. How are you? I am so happy. I am overjoyed. And thank you so much for joining me all the way from the UK at, at Sparrows, what we call in Australia, Sparrows Fart in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit, but it's my absolute pleasure, my, my darling. It really is. It's a real uh honor actually to be asked and a real privilege so thank you very much and it's well worth getting up early for i can promise you well thank you so much and you know um like i i like to introduce my guests formally but i also like to talk about how i meet people and mm -hmm. I, I must say I, I met you through psychic tv uk um yeah. and i the thing was though your spirit um, on the other side of the screen, as we were sharing the screen, I just felt a, a divine connection with you, um, a really true resonance and affinity with you. I mm. felt like in some capacity we'd be working to get forward in the future. Um, and, you know, and it's funny because that was kind of, I think, the beginning of 2016. And now here we are <laughs> um, months later and we're doing something together that I believe we can really shed a lot of enlightenment on together. Um, whether we talk about what you do personally, uh, professionally, 
I just have that sense that we're going to create that space for people. So I'm pretty excited, actually. Yeah, and I totally agree, my love. Um, it's, you, <laughs> I always used to really look forward to coming into work and seeing that you were going to be there um, and that I'd get to, to speak to you. And it was one of those sort of... Um, it was one of those moments where you kind of think, ah, right, now I understand why I'm in a particular location. Um, and I always felt that that that, um, that that TV station was all about the people that I was going to meet uh, for various different reasons. And um, you are certainly at the top of the list there um, because it's not very often that you get to meet somebody that you're aware that the conversation that you're having could go so much deeper. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, on mainstream television, sometimes you're a little bit limited. So that's why this is even more so exciting. I know. We can talk about pregnancy. We can talk about... <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about legal stuff if we want. We can talk about anything. There's no topic really off limits because I feel like in order to be progressive um, in, in, in the direction that I really want to encourage with society. We need to be able to un, like unpull the yarn around some of these topics in, in a more enlightened way. Um, and so, yeah, occasionally we talk about um, things that, are, are, as you're saying, on syndicated TV and other, and other networks, it's a little bit tricky to talk about. So it's great to have the freedom to do that. Um, yeah. When I was on radio, when I was on radio with A1R Psychic Radio, it was G-rated as well. I really wanted to talk about sex, um, you know, because there's a lot of information about that and I had to be really careful about how much I could say. Not that I'm going to go talking about porn pornographic material, but just, just to have the freedom to be able to talk about it. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's about my angel wings spreading. I can feel them as I'm talking to you. Um, mm -hmm being able to pop really out big and, and really lift the, the planet through any topic that we feel guided to talk about, really. Mm, I, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, also not being afraid or scared to um, communicate what you really feel, because this is the thing, isn't it? So many people, and it must be the same for you, I, I, I would, I would um, assume. But I know for myself that there's so many people that I speak to that are in one dimension or another, really scared. Um, and if we're not speaking authentically, uh, you know, if, if we're holding back on the things that we, that we believe and, and think, then how can we expect anybody else that we work with, whether it's once, twice, 20 times, to actually be able to, to communicate authentically either? So we, it has to start with us. It really does. And I don't know about you. I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, which may be a little bit of a, a, well, I know that it is. And I just thought that you'd come up against this as well. But that's actually quite a scary thing for some people. Um, which makes conversations like this even more important. And praise the Lord for the fact that, you know, on the, on the internet and... Um, that sort of thing with podcasts and, and all of that, you know, you can talk about what you like. You really can. And I, I believe it's vital, actually, and the way forward. Absolutely. And I feel like from, from the point of view of what we've experienced and, and the road that we've taken, um, um, you know, coming out 
um, and being psychic and being a medium and, and, and allowing yourself to be known as an intuitive and a, um, a person who can do readings and things like that. I know that's, that's one step, um, a big step, huge step. And a lot of people will you know, have to do, like I did, have to do a lot of um, past life regressions and things like that in order to get over the terror perhaps of, um, you know, being put to death because of what they've done or how they've spoken out in the past, in past lives and things like that. And it's kind of like almost like, um, you know, uh, there are, as you progress, um, I guess there are other challenges that are put in your path that mm. might strike the fear in you to, or, or, or not, to, not to strike the fear in you so much, maybe that's probably... I could go there. Actually, I could go there, like with terrorism, you know, like with journalists and things like that, reporting things. Um, yeah, definitely. People could definitely step into being silenced because they don't want to speak out because they're afraid they might be killed. Um, but there are other levels as well um, that, that are more subtle. And, and, and so, yeah, I think it's important that we talk about those things because when you start to feel a little bit like this, um, that's when... I think that's your intuition kicking in saying, uh, honey, I think you might be needing to step over this way a bit so that you can stretch those wings a bit more. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, what also I find quite interesting is that the further down the line you get, so for, I know for me personally, first going on television, first telling my friends and family that this was actually, you know, what I was doing and who I was as, as a person and, and that sort of thing. That was that was terrifying. But what's happened is over the years is that actually the more times you tell people something, I don't know whether it's the braver you get or you just get used to saying it. So that it almost you're you're building on the foundation all the time when you're energetically leveling up and therefore able to talk about more and more things that maybe press some buttons for people because it scares some people. Um, and, but, and it's not that you don't care what they think because I, I care very much about what people think, but that doesn't override the need or the desire to say things. Um, and you know, that's why I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've been given so far, but that's why I feel it's important when you, when you hear it, that you need to move away from something, that you move away because actually you're stalling yourself. You know, you're putting the, uh, your, the break, well, and it's not even on just on yourself. It's on what the next stage of your journey, the next stage of your purpose. And that is more important than your fear as a life-limiting human being. You know, the, the, the purpose of, of why you, me, the other 7 billion people on the planet have been put here is far greater than any fear that we might have or that we might have transcended onto us, um, you know, to, to keep quiet, basically. Absolutely. And I've got to be honest with you, you know, I have gone there in my brain. I've, I've taken myself there to the to the John Lennon moment for myself if I'm assassinated or I've, I've allowed myself to do that because I feel to me that if that's the case, um, then that's the case. Um, as you're saying, my life purpose is so much, so much more meaningful than the, the, the time I'm, I'm on this planet. And for me, 
you know, it's about making a point, um, making a difference, um, providing a message of truth to, to hopefully that, that in some capacity will, will affect consciousness change um, and to primarily, um, I think my purpose for the Enlightened Conversations when I really dig deep about it is I felt for me that I was seeing a lot of um, opinions that were judgmental and negative towards world events that could have been a completely different paradigm shift in people's consciousness. They could have seen it a completely different way, yet they struggled so, so deeply with the grief of a situation or the judgment of a situation or the judgment of what, you know, um, not understanding perhaps why something has happened in the bigger picture view of consciousness. So for me, I feel like I've started it. I've started this or spirits wanted me to start this, to be able to hold the space, to be able to say, hey, let's just take another little snapshot of that situation just from a completely different point of view over here. And then if you can do that and you can model that with people that are capable of that, then the people watching, they might actually start to feed solutions into the world rather than feed fear into the world, which makes a huge difference to society as a whole because we're all connected in unity. Yeah, uh, I, I just agree so much with, with everything that you're saying because the other, the other point of, of us being very um, open and honest with what we're saying is it shines a light on the manipulation um, which very few people have over the majority in this world. If we look at, I'm going to get a bit political here, but if we look at world leaders, if we look at our politicians, if we look at the news, it's all about manipulating the majority for control. It's all about control. However, if, and I, I do feel like it's, um, it's almost like a low drum call at the moment, okay? So it's building. But the more conversations that people like your gorgeous self and, and I and all the lovely people that we get to work with, the more conversations we have, it, that drum beat starts to get a little bit higher because every time we speak to somebody or the, every time somebody overhears our conversation or participates in a conversation, um, you know, the, that manipulation and that control is being brought down. Now, what I suspect will happen um, probably over the next couple of years is that the more people start to rise up, the more that the control is going to start to, you know, really clamp down because that's based in fear and these people are predominantly based in fear. So I don't think we're quite at the peak of everything that's going to happen yet, but, and I don't think I'm somebody who is not aware socially and physically and, and politically of our world, but I'm not worried about that. It kind of, it needs to happen to build to this absolute crescendo. And if we look at, at the, the state of things, I mean, just for example, in Aleppo at the moment and pictures of those babies and that little boy and, you know, awful, heartbreaking stuff, it really is. But again, without wanting to sound callous, that's a manipulation tool of the people who want to try and keep, as I say, the majority of people um, under control. And they mask it with war. They mask it with violence. But if it wasn't that, it would be, um, you know, not allowing 
uh, a young vulnerable girl, for example, to get an abortion. It would be, um, you know, not allowing freedom of speech in certain countries. It would be apartheid. You know, it, it, this is not a new thing. But what seems to be really loud at the moment is the fact that whether it's coming from the human race to source, I suspect it's the other way. I suspect it's source to the human race is going right, <laughs> no more. You know, we've kind of let you mess with this world <laughs> for several million years. <laughs> You're not doing a great job. Uh, so I feel the need to interfere with a little bit. And, and that's why I think there's lovely people like yourself who are brave enough to stand up and say, um, you know, I'm happy to talk for the masses. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be part of that. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. I feel like, um, you know, when it comes to leadership, the leaders will start to change because mm. they'll start to see as people become more conscious and people are actually, I mean, you think about it, how many people have an opinion about a politician that they're dishonest or this or that, you know, people already are seeing the truth, right? Mm. But um, I think that, that, that um, I just feel like on a deeper level, a deeper, deeper, deeper level, that's going to become more prevalent. The leaders of the future need to understand that people can see the truth. People's third eye is open a lot more than it used to be. They cannot blind for too long. When we start to have these kind of conversations that turn around what's really happening, like we're even talking about how this is a solution and how being manipulated is a solution. Like you and I are talking about it, how it's a solution because people are actually outgrowing it. It's just like they're hitting their head on the, on the manipulation wall, like a ceiling, and they're just going, um, you know what, I'm not being manipulated anymore. I'm like third eyes open. I'm actually much more aware of the truth. I can see this differently. The poor sod, what's he doing? Um, you know, they, they, they're probably going to step more into, um, uh, less into being um, distracted um, and addicted to drama and more, I, I think that's where ADD comes from, more disinterested and, and freaking bored. And just absolutely just next, let's talk about something interesting. Let's talk about something that matters. Let's talk about something that actually holds my attention that is real. And I feel like that's where we are actually heading as a society. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, and it's in, absolutely, and I um it's interesting that you bring up about ADD and we have, um, you know, and we've got ADHD and Asperger's and autism and all of that sort of thing. Um, there's two different ways of looking at it. Yes, I do think that a lot of it is because through the manipulation, we're understimulated because there's no way that a few people can manifest enough stimulation to satisfy everybody. And also, of course, we've got into the trap where there's very little, it appears to be growth because there's technological growth, but there isn't mental, heart, uh, soul, heart-centered growth going on because there isn't communication, effective communication. And yet we live in a world where it's so easy to communicate. I mean, look, <laughs> we're on opposite sides of the planet. So in some ways it's great, in other ways it isn't. The other thing is as well, is that we seem to really love to give people um labels they have to be in a box they have to be you know a certain thing for for again so that people can understand them but 
if we can see the beauty of, of the individual, like we used to, you know, a couple of hundred years ago or whatever, everybody was treated as an individual. Um, okay, it wasn't maybe the standard of living that we have now, but there's an argument in that as well. But to treat everybody as the individual. So, you know, if somebody wasn't meant to be sitting in a classroom, then they would be outside painting or fishing or building things. It's because, we, and what I feel like I'm mostly rebelling against in, in this lifetime is the necessity to be funneled into something that I just don't fit in. And it stands to reason that if I feel like this, then all those kids that have got apparently learning disabilities, issues, you know, social issues, that sort of thing, it stands to reason that they don't fit in it either. Um, and it's something that I'm really passionate about, passionate about is, is not, you know, it's about validating those people because those children are going to grow up into adults that if they're not, if the nurture doesn't happen from when they're really very tiny, then they can become quite destructive. But actually, I, I really believe that they have the potential to be, that, well, they're the game changers because they, they don't really, not, it's not that they don't care, but it's, they're not affected by the funnel, you know. Um, so uh, there's almost a bit of a, an uprising with, with them as well. I do a lot of work with children and young adults like that. That's beautiful. You know what? It's so amazing. I had somebody from Facebook today and they, they sent me through this little snippet, which I thought was fascinating. I, I never knew this. I actually did an assignment when I was in like primary school on an inventor. And I, I did, I did the, mine on Thomas Edison who invented the light bulb, right? Anyway, I got sent this little kind of thing this morning on Messenger and it said that when Thomas was a young boy, he mm. came home from school one day with a note and, the, and, and it said his teacher told him not to show anyone the note but his mum. And so he opened the note, uh, she, she opened the note and he said, what does the note say, mum? And he said, oh, you're, so, you're such a genius. From now on, you don't need to go to school. I need to teach you from home. And so, you know, so he went on um, and invented the light bulb and became famous for that. And then after his mum had passed, he was going through some things and he found the note and he opened the note and it said, your son is mentally deranged. He needs to, he's now expelled from school because he's got mental health issues or mental, mental problems. Mm. And, and uh, mentally deficient, I think, were the words. Um, and he just, you know... Wow, you know, the, the, the whole moral of that story is, is that how we treat mm -hmm. our children shapes the way they see themselves and gives them the capacity to be able to step into their power. Um, and, you know, when we're looking at it from an enlightened point of view, um, I see every single child on this journey as integral, not only to where, exactly where they are, right, mm -hmm. but also in helping to shape society to know how to approach different levels of talent or different levels of being, different ways of being. So for them, you know, you could say, oh, we've got to adjust everything around them. Or you could say, actually, hang on a second, we're learning to be adaptable. We're learning to be flexible. We're learning to actually accommodate and even perhaps grow abilities ourselves in taking care of these beings. 
And that for me is such a different point of view to labeling a child as this or that or what have you. How about just treat them as an individual and working out what do they actually need? How do they actually need it? And how can we actually give that to them? Mm. No, I, I concur, sweetheart. I really do. And it, it, from a personal level, through personal experience, um, it, it troubles me um, how quickly the officials or, or people that we're meant to be listening to um, want to try and make our children conform. For example, my lovely son, he's nearly 23. Um, when, he was, when he was born, from the second he was born, he was full of energy, this kid, right? And, um, you know, sort of wall of death riding at 5 a.m. every morning. And, and uh, I had a health visitor who, quite frankly, wasn't very helpful. And um, she suggested that at 18 months, I put him on Ritalin. Um, I refused and I said, no, 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 it's fine. We're, you know, we're going to run around fields and we're going to play football and we're just going to keep busy because, you know, that's what feels right. Fast forward to now, you know, he's still that ball of energy, but my word, he's turned that into how he makes friends with people, how he makes his living. Um, and I know I'm biased because he's my son, but the impact that he has on people as well what what most people talk about is the energy that he has and very similar stories with both my two girls as well and i think well if that's just my three children and fortunately i'm having that internal conversation that's going no 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 there's another way if a parent who's maybe at the end of their tether or a teacher who's maybe at the end of their tether isn't having that entire internal dialogue for whatever reason it's very easy to see how they reach for the pill bottle or they reach for the label. Um, and every time I've tried to speak out about this, I have come up against some um, anger, actually, real anger. And um, it hasn't stopped me. <laughs> um, but it's interesting the reaction that it has from people, especially those in... Um, in position, so your doctors, health visitors, nurses, you know, the medical staff. Um, I think it's changing now, but that was only 20 years ago, you know, a little over 20 years ago. It's not hundreds of years ago. It's only, it's only just quite recently. And now we are starting to see the effects of those children who were put on Ritalin, who were put on behavioral drugs. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking that some of the some of the people that I see it's absolutely heartbreaking because they know that there's a bigger part of them, but they they've always been told that that's a a bad thing, so they're now scared to tap in and find it. So a lot of what I do is kind of saying no 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 that bit's okay that's actually the bit that you are you know, embrace what people have called your weirdness. Um, it needs to change. The, the tides need to change. I think they are. It's just maybe a little bit slower than you and I might like. I want it now. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked for child safety and then for disability services in the government sector for almost five years. And what I saw changing in Australia was interesting. Um, the way that funding was distributed um, came into effect at the end of my um, 
working life there, um, they actually had put something in, in, into effect that was going to kick in in this year called the NDIS, which is the um, National Disability Insurance Scheme, which meant that funds were now going to be distributed to non-government organisations, uh, not, not sorry, to, to the individuals so that they could spend them how they wanted to. So technically, people with disabilities could then go to the services that they wanted to go to to spend their money. Mm-hmm. And that is, for me, that, in, that was an indicator that the government was admitting just how insufficient and how constricted their uh, services had become and how there needed to be a shift and there needed to be an empowerment to those people that needed services to access services that they felt were beneficial to them rather than come along to the very highly regulated government um, services. Mm -hmm. The other side of the coin that I saw was that the people, the individuals, um, I was selling my books while I was working there. Like they knew I was a light worker. I, I wasn't hiding my head in a, you know, under a cloth. Like I was, I had them on the, in the lunchroom, you know, like, so they all knew who I was and I'd written seven books while I was working there. So it was no, I wasn't hiding who I was. And so I would, I would be having all these really interesting conversations with caseworkers, with, um, you know, speech pathologists and therapists, with um, you know, people that were already awakening themselves and seeing how limited the systems were from the inside. And I think it was such a godsend to work inside government and, and see how many intuitive people are there, seeing how they're trying to change things from the ground up. I, I was I was actually like close, close very, very close friends um, for years with the policies, uh, one of the senior policy writers in, in the government. And so just seeing like that brings me so much hope because when sometimes we can just like we can even label the government as 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 bureaucratic and annoying and constrictive and all those kind of things, but when you think about it, the government itself is actually full of people just like us. I I, I work, you know what I mean. I worked there for that long, and so it's kind of great to know, you know, for those who are like, oh, there's no hope, you know, the government sucks, and you know, you can go on that tangent, right? I actually think we can we reinvent the government. By, by speaking up, by adding our two bobs worth, but, you know, by, by creating um, services and agencies that actually work and that people actually benefit from because that's evidence then and then feeding that back to the government and then you've got the fundings being given to the non-government organisations to continue to run. You know, it all feeds itself. It's like, you know, you know if we just all stop dead and go, oh, you know, it's just a joke and didn't do anything about it, then we wouldn't progress. So I feel like we are, you're right, it's probably not happening as quickly as you and I'd like, <laughs> but um, it is happening. Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, it, it is about the fact that wh- whatever body we're in, um, it's an accumulation of individuals. Um, <clears throat> and I think maybe it's part of, uh, I see it's part of my work at, um, of our workers, light workers, is um, to encourage those individuals to to speak up. For it to, I tell you what it is for me, it's for it to become normal, whatever normal is. But for it to become just, you know, it's not weird. You know, we're not freaks of nature. Um, uh, you know, it is just. It's, it's okay, it's just another opinion, it's nothing to be scared of, you know, and so that we can build from there so that the people who 
have the position, let's say, in government, local government, in business, big business, um, feel as though they can legitimately put these other ideas forward on our behalf, if you like, um, or on, you know, on the behalf of the masses. So true, Sammy. I saw it again and again. I, I really empathise with the management. They just needed something that they could grab hold of that they could present. You know, it was like, give me something. And it's like, you know, if you if you, all your staff are busy hiding what really works because you don't want to be like, um, you know, <laughs> given the door, um, it, it has to start from being transparent and offering up what really does work and yeah. being honest. Sorry, I interrupted you then. Yes. Yeah, no, no, I interrupted you. <laughs> We're very passionate, aren't we? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Brilliant. It's just, um, I think, what, what I always feel a little bit like, um, like it's a crusade. You know, if you went back, several hundred years, it would be like the Crusades, you know? Um, and yet we're not going, we're not saying anything that hasn't been said before. We're not, um, th this is not new ideology. We might have our own spin on it. We might have our own way of putting it forward. But even, and I'm not talking in religious terms here, but if you look in, um, in terms of the man that Yeshua was, or as is more widely known, Jesus, you know, if you strip the religion from it, it was all about acceptance and love and honesty and truth and helping one another. And somewhere along the line, that became a bit of a sing-songy, wishy-washy, pathetic thing to do. Um, and that's personally what I feel really needs to come back. I always remember somebody, I won't mention any names because I'm nice like that, but I always remember somebody saying to me, why do you want to help people all the time? What, what's wrong with you? Why do you want to help people? And I was like, well, is there anything greater to do than to help people? And that's not in some sort of martyrish kind of way. I don't mean it like that at all, believe me. But, you know, if you can, then you should personally is, is my feeling. Um, and it's certainly something that I've tried to instill in my, my children, my family. Um, and it's the basic ethos that where all my counseling comes from. So that when people leave, I don't want them to think like me. I don't, I don't want that, but I want them to not be afraid to help and to encourage other people. I want that to become their normal. I love that. You know, the thing that really dropped in while you were talking about Jesus was um, the fact that when Jesus was alive and what he tended to do was he tended to go from house to house or group to group or pasture to pasture, whatever the situation was, and he would, he would tell stories to help to enlighten people. Like he, he, would, he would try to give them examples of how living through the story you can you can wake up because i think at that point in time and and that point of human consciousness that was kind of the only way of saying you know all the parts of the story are you are you able to actually embrace the light within you from this story um 
And, and so that's kind of the, I guess, the intention that Jesus had because there wasn't the level of the enlightenment that could handle or cope with the fact that inside each and every one of us there is a Jesus that can actually speak to each other. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? So, yes. we're, you know, because we all have a kind person within us. We all have an unconditionally loving person within us. We all have a forgiving person within us. We all have an enlightened person within us. And so, you know, where I feel society is now is um, instead of speaking from the, if you like, the enlightened Jesus persona within to everyone else, like the shepherd, we are actually speaking now from the Jesus within ourselves to the Jesus within everyone else. Mm-hmm. We are actually speaking directly. That's what I'm hoping that we're doing now because I feel like at capacity-wise, the whole of the planet may be not ready, but there's a lot of us that are ready. And mm-hmm. the more we can do that, the more we step into unity and that there's not this, um, you know, oh, I'm more evolved than you and you're less evolved than me. It's like, no, no, no. We're precisely where we need to be just right now. Maybe I need to share it with you through a story. That doesn't make you any less than me. But what my learning is from where I am in my enlightenment is I don't see myself as having to tell everyone stories in order to evolve and enlighten. I can speak directly to them because I do believe that they're ready or, you know, they're able to hold the space with me about that. So that's what I feel. That's where we've come from. And that's where we're going, I think. And that's why this is happening, why I've started the Enlightened Conversations. Or they've, mm. they've, told, they've told me to start. <laughs> yeah, they, I tell you what, they're, they're a hard boss, aren't they? Um, <laughs> but they're, they're lovely, so we don't mind. Um, and, and it is also about, and I'm sure you must find this as well. So a lot of the time... Um, I find myself talking to people about this kind of thing and, and I almost have to double check myself and think, oh, crikey, have I overstepped the mark? Um, because it will be with people who, you know, if you met them in the supermarket, you would never think for one second. Um, but I suppose that's the point, isn't it? You just never know who you're going to have these conversations with. Um, and they, they, they kind of sit there and go, oh, I hadn't even actually realized that that was missing in my life. But now that you've mentioned it, oh my word, I need it more than anything. And it, it they, it's like the, the switch goes on, which, and, it, and it, I do worry sometimes. Because I think, oh, crikey, they're going to just think I'm nuts. Um, but I suppose this is also part of the thing. And it brings us full circle, doesn't it? About not being scared, not being afraid. Um, you know, if you feel compelled to tell that story or have that conversation with somebody, do it. Because it might not even be that it's them that needs to hear it. It might be that they need to go home and say, hey, I saw this crazy girl on the bus and she started talking to me about this. And, you know, it makes no sense to me. But that the person they're talking to kind of goes, oh, okay, there's a light bulb moment for me. And that's how... I believe that this is going to spread. It's almost like um, it's like a Mexican wave <laughs> of enlightenment. You know, that's how I kind of see it. And it's so simple. It's so easy to do. It isn't something that we 
plan for. So this will make you laugh, okay? So my husband um, works in the corporate world, bless his heart, doesn't fit him at all, but anyway, um, I think he's there to make a difference. But he said, I was telling him about that we were doing this today, and he said, oh, so, you know, do you need to take some time and prepare and, you know, really sit down and get everything right about what you want to talk about? And I was like, no, they'll tell me what I need to talk about and it will all be okay. And he went, oh. And I said, it's not that I'm not prepared. I'm prepared. Michelle's prepared. People who do this work, we're prepared all the time. But it's not our job to decide, dictate, or uh, preempt what's going to be delivered. Um, and that, I mean, does that happen with you on your day-to-day -day basis when you're, I don't know if you're, when you're reading with people or just talking with people? Yeah, and like it's, I, in my past, um, before I started um, being, doing what I'm doing, my thing was, I was a highly organised um, person who had to know, like even when I was teaching, down to the minute what I'd be talking about, okay? Mm. When I was asked to step into doing light working um, and I, I was told, this is what I was told, you need to turn up, um, this is what the workshop's going to be called, uh, we'll tell you when you get there what you're teaching. So for me it was, that was... Um, uh, in 2005, and so that was a moment in time I'll never forget. That's when I channeled through the 12 principles of the Lightworker Practitioner Training and the Everyday Lightworker Bible. That's, what, that's when that happened. And ever since then, I have been put in situations where that's what happens all the time. And that's not excluding enlightened conversations insofar as how it's even come about um, how spirit wants it delivered and all that kind of stuff because it, I, I actually feel like it's got a life of its own, really does. The only thing I feel like I need to be responsible for is making sure I have a connection with the person that I, that I resonate with them, that I'm talking to, because I truly believe that that's all that's required in order to have an enlightened conversation. And all the rest is absolutely none of my business. I just turn up as you're, as you're saying, I have prepared enough, uh, you know, to be in the space that I can actually allow that, that spirit comes through um, and also um, give space for spirit to also come through um, with, with, you know, yourself or whoever I'm, you know, have the pleasure of actually having on the other side of the camera. Um, and so for me, it's very much about that's the kind of preparation that's required, just being willing to let go and have faith is massive when it comes to being able to hold an enlightened conversation. I think otherwise it's almost like you're, you're going into debate. Like you've got all your, you know how that in debates, you had all your points. Oh, these are all the points that I want to speak to and uh, I'm for or against. And it's like, well, we could be for or against teacher stuff, like all in, in the one sentence if we want to, because we're mulling through what works for us or what's relevant for us or what we resonate with. So yeah no it's um and I, I think also this is this it's the point isn't it um it all comes down to to faith either faith in yourself faith in source faith in spirit faith in the in humankind um and i think we've got a bit hung up on 
qualifications, courses, you know, bits of paper, that sort of thing. Um, you know, if we all are like, like you do, you get, when you run a, a course, I kind of don't want to call it that, but when, when you run um, a gathering of people who want to heighten their enlightenment, I think is probably how I would prefer to refer to what you do. Um, you know, your learning, I know that I, I have the same, I learn as much from everybody else in the room as they do from me, because it isn't from us. But again, we've got caught up in, we've well, got to have a stamp on this bit of paper and, you know, you've got to have, you've got to go and generally spend thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars in order to do it. Um, and I feel like that limits people sometimes. So again, a lot of the conversations that I tend to have with people is like, they, they say, oh, I want to be a healer. Um, and so the conversation generally goes along the lines of, right, everybody's got the potential to be a healer, which is whether you can tap into it or not. We go through one little exercise, on the phone even, it takes seconds. And then and they're like, oh yes, yeah, I feel X, Y, Z. Um, and I'm like, right, that, you're a healer, that's it. Now all you've got to do is go away and practice it. And it's been lovely to watch people who thought they couldn't afford in inverted commas, either financially or in time, to do it, who have now gone on and done it, and the people they're affecting, it's just, it's, it's amazing, it's wonderful to watch. And I think that's also part of what I'm wanting to do, and with you as well, is removing the fear from all of this, you know? We are all limitless, and yet, even when we're trying to be limitless, we put limits on ourselves. Um, you know, there's a, there's a certain sense of irony in all of this, really. Um, so that, yeah, that's something else that I like to do as, as well, you know. Um, give stuff away, you know. Um, so like with this, um, you know, when you uh, put things up on Facebook, like I like to put little snippets up on Facebook or send people things in emails, it just because it's not our i don't i don't feel like it's our um i'm trying to put my finger on what it is exactly that, that they're wanting me to say it's like it's yes it's about taking the fear out of it but also it's uh, that's it it's about making everything accessible you know that this is a very accessible world that we live in yeah absolutely and it's an interesting thing because when people actually hit that point in their uh, life, this lifetime, where they feel like they've hit their head on the ceiling of just, you know, just what isn't working for them anymore and mm. they crack through, oh, my goodness, you know what? We don't even know what how many lives they've had. We don't even know how much they've practised what they... When they crack through that, talking about infinite possibilities here, the person may just step completely into where they left off, which was 15 million times more evolved than us. We don't know. And that's where the humility comes in, is that, you know, we are, I think we're cat catalysts for the awakening of what's already there and also the infinity within each and every person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we believe that and we can role model that and we know how gifted we are, then they'll start to, I think, have faith to allow themselves to step in 
Um, you know, I was actually speaking to Jessica Vidal. Um, she's the front cover of Lightworker Advocate magazine. Mm-hmm. I met her, in, well, I didn't actually meet her, but we actually had our first conversation um, in 2012. She basically, from then, had an inkling she might be a light worker. To now, she's like ridiculous. Like in 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 such a when you look at four years, that's nothing, is it? It's like four years. Um, she's just a psychic detective. She's doing a meet. She's a, it's like crazy. People don't know what they're really capable of until they let themselves and give themselves permission to step to just say, well, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll just see what happens. I'll just say, yeah, I'm willing. And then watch out because once you crack open and you remember and you're awakening, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we're catalysts for that, honey, because um, it's exciting what that does for the planet. It, yeah, it's really, really exciting. And, you know, it comes when I just, you know, I look at um, children in particular um, nowadays, I think they are, they're yearning for something. They really, really are. Um, and while I think I would love to be able to do it from, you know, and send the ripples up through the generations that are here already, I feel blessed because those ripples are coming from our children that are born now. You know, they are much more aware. They are far more enlightened than we are ever going to be. Um, and it's a real blessing to be around them um, and to give them their power um, and to be listening to them But as younger beings. But also a different way of looking at it is that um, deve- developmentally, um, where enlightenment is concerned, you could have somebody who is 50, 60, 70 years old who is effectively a baby Absolutely. just because they haven't been exposed to it. Um, and so it, the ripples can go up um, if we can see it like that, really. Um, because there's, a, there's an also a, an awful lot of talk at the moment. That I'm starting to hear a lot of chatter about um, old souls returning, but also souls that have never been here coming for, you know, this is a, a one <laughs> once journey to come and shake some stuff up and then they're off. And they tend to live very long lives. They tend to lead quite difficult lives a lot of the time as well. Um, but they also um, are another rank, if you like. You know, if this was a game of chess, then, you know, they, they would be, I don't know, like the knight or something um, that are coming in and shaking stuff up as well, which is why you tend to find uh, there's people who maybe started it in like the late 60s, mid 60s, yes, and only right. now are starting to be seen. Yes. You know? Yes, I get what you're saying. I really do. And it's... I think it's interesting when we're able to um, have compassion for the young ones or the young souls that come through because they don't understand, they don't really, this, this it, yeah, and, and navigating 
people that are enlightened can be very scary too. It's um, very confusing. Um, and so I think our job, if we are feeling that we're enlightened, our job is to be more in the heart space towards those people and have compassion rather than judgment because it's, it's easy to step into the judgment because it's so like, oh, come on, get with the program people, you know, that kind of thinking. But it's yeah. like, well, actually, you know what? It must be really difficult to be living the life of an innocent, um, unevolved soul. Like that's, that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's have compassion and support that person's journey. I feel like when they step over, when they actually cross over, there's a lot of learning really quickly for them, like massive, like amounts of learning. Um, and I feel like they're not like so far behind, they can't catch up. So I feel like there's a lot of, um, almost like, you know, the people that have crossed over are then in a massive learning curve really, 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 really quickly because they still want to be, hang around their, you know, children and their children's children and they still want to kind of be with them. And so there's a lot of learning very quickly. Um, and mm, my feeling is is that the people that are communicating or wanting to communicate with their, lost, their loved ones that have crossed over um, need to understand that they're not coming from the same space of enlightenment that they were before they crossed over they they had they are going through a rapid learning curve that may even surpass the ones that are here and then they need to start to catch up because the ones that have crossed over are going to actually start to go come on you can do you know there's over there i can see they've gotten a bit further along with you i can see it i can see it um i wonder whether or not this is something around your grandfather are you feeling his presence at all <laughs> yeah, uh, that's bizarre. It's his funeral tomorrow. Wow, I had a sense he might. Yeah, and he he was he was a very he's actually my step grandfather. He's my stepdad's dad, but I've, he was in my life since I was four, and he was um, he was a very very precious soul he really was um and he saw things a little bit differently and people thought that you know he was a bit cuckoo and and all the rest of it but actually um and i used just as a kid i used to find him really funny but he and i had an immediate affinity with each other and he was um i i believe a light worker, a light worker without a place to shine. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Born way before his time, way, 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 way before. If he was now a man in his twenties, he and he had the most piercing blue eyes as well, which is always quite a significant sign to me. But he, um, uh, if he was born now, he he would have he'd be a leader without question he'd be a, a, a leading light worker so yes it's interesting that you should you should uh, pick him up yeah and i i'm i'm hearing the words it's only just begun so i don't know if that's like relevant for you sammy but that's what's coming through um i believe from from him because those words they're just so important apparently so i'm just gonna you know leave that with you Wow, I, I had 
an incredible, like, I can't believe that hours has gone by so quickly. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. it's, to me, it's just gone like that. And um, I just could talk to you for hours. And so I <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. And where can people find you, Sammy? Because I don't want them to miss out on what you're doing. You're amazing. I know that they can read more of your articles in, like, with your Advocate magazine, but certainly want them to be able to find you moving forward, honey. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, uh, Sammy T. Baker. That's fine. You can add me on there. Um, and also www.sammytbaker.co.uk. You can find me on there as well. And this has been such a privilege. Like I say, I can't believe that the hour has gone past already. Um, and it really has. It's been wonderful, my darling. And um, I suspect that maybe we could do this again one day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know that we get to do our Q&A, uh, which will be airing on the 12th, which will be um, awesome. And that's mm. between 4 and 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, which um, I hope that's the right time. Well, if it's not the right time, UK, at that point in time, we'll make sure that uh, we clarify that on our little ad that I usually put at the end of this video so everybody will know what time to tune in. Um, I just don't want to make it 6 in the morning your time, and I know that... Uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, it might be. So <laughs> it might be five to <laughs> I think it might be five to six p.m. But anyway, we'll clarify that. But thank you so much, sweetheart. Love you heaps, and you are an absolute joy, an absolute blessing. And I, I'm just so grateful to have you in the world. Thank you so much. Not at all, my darling. And likewise, you take care. Okay. I will. Lots of love. Lots of love.